Well, you may have noticed with the different stage set that we are in a different sermon series this morning. In fact, we are be, we will be beginning a new sermon series about Christmas. It's called The Promise of Christmas. And we are going to focus on the Gospel of Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus Christ for the next four weeks. In fact, we are going to be looking more specifically at the promise that God has given to His children in chapter 1 alone. And we're going to expound that and we're going to explain that for the next four weeks as the promises of God are revealed to us. Um, So the record of the birth of Jesus in the pages of Scripture is a historical account. This is not just a make-believe story, a make-believe legend. This is indeed an historical account. The virgin birth was an event that definitely took place in space and time. And it was an event that took place historically in God's perfect timing. And that's important for us to know as we study this passage together. So please turn with me to Matthew chapter 1 in your Bibles. This morning I'm going to read from verse 18 to 25, help you see the context of where we are going with this passage in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to verse 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. If you have a pen, I'd encourage you to underline that in your Bible. We are going to be looking at that in depth throughout this month. For he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Well, this year, Christmas will be celebrated with all the COVID restrictions and and regulations. Uh, Christmas 2020 will be the most unusual Christmas that we've probably ever experienced or probably ever will. It will not be what we have come to expect each December. But that may be a good thing. Maybe you've been rocked to sleep by the, the yearly annual routines and traditions and the, the worldly materialistic way of, of celebrating Christmas. This unexpected Christmas of 2020 gives us more reason to be hopeful than disillusioned. Maybe the very thing that would best reintroduce us to what Christmas really means is to have a Christmas that doesn't fall 
easily into what we've come to expect. As you read the Christmas story this year from Matthew, hopefully you will approach the story with a, with a new perspective. And perhaps as you read these words, you need to be reminded of the, the real promise of Christmas. Even though we find ourselves in, in unprecedented times, confusing times, let me remind you that the promise of Christmas is guaranteed that the promise of Christmas is even better than the best Christmas that you may have ever experienced in your life. And the promise of Christmas is right here in our passage this morning in verse 21. He shall save his people from their sins. Well, the book of Matthew opens up after 400 years of silence. From Malachi to the the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, there is 400 years of silence. What I mean by that, God hasn't spoken to His children in 400 years. No prophet has brought a word of God to His people over 400 years. Malachi concluded what we recognize as the Old Testament canon 400 years before the angel appeared to Mary and to Joseph. And by that time, Israel as a nation had been in a very bad spiritual condition. For the most part, the nation had apostatized. For the most part, the nation was not worshiping the true and living God. They were going through the motions. They were very religious, but they had apostatized the true faith when it came to the true God. We know the spiritual leadership was corrupt. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the spiritual leaders of Israel, were pointing people away from God, were taking people away from God, rather than pointing them to the only way. And the nation suffered spiritually. They suffered economically. We know they were living under the Roman rule, and um, they were living under the terrible uh, jurisdiction of, of Herod. Um, which made things even worse for them as a nation. And perhaps many Jews wondered at that time whether God had forgotten them. So we have a lot in common with the, with the Jewish nation 400 years ago, 400 years before Jesus came to this earth. We had a lot in common with even the Israelites during the time of Jesus. We have a lot in common, especially as we wonder Where are you, Lord, as we wonder? Have you forgotten about you, Lord? As we wait to hear from the Lord, as we wait patiently during this pandemic, I think we have a lot more in common than we think. And in this story, we are introduced to a young betrothed couple, Mary and Joseph. And Mary was perhaps as young as 13 years old. Joseph probably a little older. Um, The marriage had not been consummated yet. This was a betrothal. And in those times, that was almost as good as a marriage covenant. Very difficult to break this betrothal covenant. But we notice something strange here, something out of the ordinary. Suddenly, Mary was found to be expecting a child. And I hope you can imagine how Joseph must have felt as we will consider this together I'm sure Joseph's dreams were 
dashed, were shattered as he found out that his betrothed fiance was pregnant. I don't think Joseph even believed Mary. I think very few people must have believed Mary's claim that she was a virgin, that she had not been with a man yet. And of course, Joseph must have had his doubts at first when he told her. But we notice here, soon the silence was, was broken for Joseph. And that's what we are going to look at today, the account of Joseph, as the angel assures him that Mary had not been with the man, that she was indeed a virgin, and that her child was indeed from the Holy Spirit. So try and picture yourself in this situation. I'm sure many of the Israelites must have felt abandoned by God. Joseph must have felt abandoned by God. But the truth, Mary must have felt maybe abandoned by God. But the truth was that they were the ones who had abandoned the Lord. They were the ones who had left the Lord. And their conscience must have been plagued with guilt. And I'm sure all hope seemed to have died. And this is the situation that we are introduced to in Matthew chapter 1. Just as the silence was broken in, in Mary's life and in Joseph's life, so again it was broken in the life of the nation. And we know this happened as the angels started singing praises and glory to God. In Luke chapter 2, what did they sing? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to all men. I'm sure this was the song that they really wanted to hear, that they really needed to hear. And this is where we start our message this morning. In verse 18 to verse 20, my first point, the predicament of Joseph. In verse 18 to verse 20. So as this passage opens, we are introduced to Joseph. Joseph was betrothed to Mary. And he was to become the earthly figure the father figure of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 18. It tells us, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So the scene has been set for us. This is a bit of a grim picture, isn't it? I think Joseph must have felt very disillusioned with his life at the moment. Like Joseph of old, the Joseph in the Old Testament, he needed the encouragement that, that Yahweh was with him. He needed the promise of Christmas to encourage him. And perhaps it would be fitting at this point to just pause and ask whether you have ever felt this way. I'm sure this year, with this unplanned and unexpected COVID pandemic, you have felt disappointed. I'm sure with this pandemic, you have felt disillusioned. Has life seemed confusing to you? Perhaps even hopeless, unable to see your family and friends, and able to live your life as you normally would? Perhaps you have suffered in some way with a job loss or a pay cut. 
Is that the situation that you find yourself in right now? Well, I want you to see from our passage that this promise of Christmas is for you. This promise of Christmas needs to encourage all of us because it really is the promise of Jesus. And the promise of Christmas is all about Jesus. It was the promise of Jesus that enabled Joseph to deal faithfully and even fruitfully with the the difficult circumstance that he had faced. And this is true for, for you and for me. The promise of Jesus gives us hope. It helps us to face the situations that we are finding ourselves in, the circumstances that we are in. It helps us to examine this truth that Jesus is indeed with us. He is Emmanuel. So let's examine this truth in the life of Joseph and learn from it. Look at verse 20. It says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So here we see God breaking through in space and time. And he is speaking to Joseph. He is using the angels to bring a word, his word, to this man named Joseph. And his message to his servant was a supernatural promise. It wasn't an earthly promise. It was a supernatural promise. Mary was indeed carrying the child of the Holy Spirit. Now try and imagine yourself for a moment. Try and imagine for yourself the difficulties that Joseph and Mary had to face. Perhaps the most troubling could have been the the inner turmoil that that Joseph experienced as as he wondered. The Bible says he considered these things. He must have wondered for a long time, perhaps even for months, what to do. How to do this? What course of of action to follow in light of of his betrothed's pregnancy that that he was not part of? And I'm sure he must have doubted and wondered about her, her infidelity. But before the angel appeared to Joseph, before this promise was was given to him, before all of his doubts were taken away, verse 20 tells us that Joseph was considering these things. He was thinking about these things. I'm sure he must have asked the same questions that you and I ask. Why me? Why was she unfaithful to me? Why this? Why now? Why, 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 why? Can you relate to this? Can you relate to this doubt, to this anxiety? to this sense of disappointment. But then God spoke. Then God spoke. And he was carried through the difficulties that he faced by the promise of Christmas. Yes, as impossible as it might seem. Yes, as supernatural as it was. Mary conceiving without a physical man 
she was still indeed a virgin. Remember, what is impossible for man is not impossible for God. And this was the promise that Joseph could cling on to. But more than God breaking into Joseph's predicament, the promise of Christmas was about God breaking into our predicament. God breaking into our circumstance. God breaking into our situation. And what is our situation? I'm not talking about our immediate problems that we face. I'm talking about our eternal problems that we face that are even more serious than the temporary things around us. What is that? Well, the Bible tells us that we are sinners. The Bible tells us that we are lost. The Bible tells us that we are hopeless without Christ. The Bible tells us that without Christ, we are dead in our sins. We have abandoned God. And we were running away from God with our backs towards Him as fast as possible. The Bible says we are His, His enemies. This is the predicament that all of us face without Christ. But, but in His great mercy, God broke into history with the promise of Jesus, the one who would save His people from their sins. We have not been abandoned. We have not been forgotten. He can do the miraculous. He can restore us to a right relationship with Him. And what is impossible with man is not impossible with God. I wish you had an opportunity to meet my father-in-law. Um, my father-in-law was, was a miner. He was a, he was a hard man. A little intimidating, a little scary, even though he was probably half my size. Um, but he was, uh, in the beginning, unsaved. He was without Christ. He was lost. He was in his sins. And I remember the pastor of, of our church in South Africa would, would try and visit Jimmy. And, and Jimmy would, would say to him, listen, listen, Padre, he called him Padre. You're welcome to come into my home, but you are not allowed to talk about religion, and you're not allowed to talk about politics. And the pastor would say, that's fine. This is your house, your rules. Let's just have some tea together. And they would sit down, and they would talk. And my father-in-law, being who he was, brought up religion and started trying to antagonize the pastor. And of course, the conversation started to become more about the gospel, and my father-in-law would get angry, and at one point, he lifted up the pastor by the collar, collar of his shirt and threw him out the house and told him never to come back. But, but the pastor did come back. He continued to come back, and he continued to persist, and he continued to share the gospel with him. And the promise of Jesus was made real in the life of my father-in-law. The supernatural promise of Christmas became a reality in my father-in-law's life as he humbled himself, confessed his sins, and called upon the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this promise of Christmas is a promise of the supernatural. What is impossible with man is impossible with God. But this is also the promise of salvation. This is also the promise of salvation. Look at verse 21. 
My second point this morning. Verse 21 tells us, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We know Joseph would certainly be be scorned by the world. Who would believe this outrageous story of a, of a virgin birth? But Joseph could be encouraged. For though he would be scorned and probably mocked by many people, the child carried by Mary was indeed the very seed of the Holy Spirit. And this was the seed that was promised in Genesis chapter 3, the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. And this was prophesied and recorded in the scriptures. And the Jews knew about this prophecy. They longed for the awaited Messiah. And Jesus would come and save his people from their sins. Now the name Jesus is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Joshua. And the name Joshua means Yahweh is salvation. And it was a common name in the New Testament. Many name their children Joshua after the, the, the military leader of, of the Old Testament. Uh, Joshua was a, was a godly man, and he, of course, was a, was a successful military leader. But the difference between that Joshua of the Old Testament and the Joshua of the New Testament is that that military leader could not save his people from their sins. He could save them from a temporary battle, He could save them from temporary enemies, but he didn't have the power to save them from their eternal battle with sin. But the Bible tells us this Joshua, this Jesus does. This Joshua, regardless of what people thought of his parents, his earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, was the one who would save his people from their sins. So the name Jesus given to Mary's son was was not a unique name at all. But certainly this Joshua would be a unique Joshua like none other ever before or that ever would be in the future. He was the Joshua. He was the Jesus, the Savior of men sent by God into the world. And when you understand the promise of salvation that Jesus was sent to save his people from their sins, then the importance of the virgin birth cannot be underestimated. Jesus was not just an ordinary man. Jesus was not just even a good man. He was the Son of God. The virgin birth meant that he did not inherit a sin nature. If he did, he wouldn't be God. But God cannot sin. There is no sin in him. He was born of a virgin. And this was further proven, not just by his birth from a virgin, but from his 33 years that he lived on this earth. 33 years in which he was tempted to sin. And the Bible tells us he was tempted, but he was without sin. He was the sinless son of God. And Hebrews chapter 4 tells us in verse 15, he was in all points tempted like as we are, but yet he was without sin. So the promise of Christmas 
is the promise of success for us to overcome sin. Look at verse 21 again. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Notice it. Look at that verse. Notice closely. He shall save his people from their sins. There's no doubt to this outcome. Notice that. This is not a probability. This is not even a suggestion. This is not even a hope. This is a promise with a guaranteed outcome. Christ would accomplish that which he came to do. God is faithful and he is committed to keeping his covenant. He keeps his promises. Joseph, the promise is certain. You can commit your life to it. Friend, the promise is certain. You can commit your life to it. Our Savior is victorious. There is no question of it. He will not abandon His people. Even though we may have trials, even though we may go through difficult times, but the promise of Jesus is wonderful. It is sure. It is guaranteed. He will save His people from their sins. Also notice that the promise is for His people. The promise is for His people. But who are His people? Are the Jews His people? Not exclusively. Galatians chapter 6 tells us, For all who are in Christ are part of the Israel of God. If you're a Christian this morning, you're part of the Israel of God. And then we know that the Scriptures tell us that Jesus loved the church and that He gave Himself for the church. And all of His sheep will, will hear His voice and they will come to Him. Do you see friends and, and family that are, are running away from the gospel message? Are you disheartened that they reject Jesus? Perhaps it's Christmas for them. It's all about Santa Claus and it has nothing to do with Jesus. Does it, does it dishearten you? Well, be encouraged. Be encouraged from the scriptures this morning. If they are his sheep, they will hear his voice. Be faithful. Be persistent. God will not fail. He will save his people from their sins. That is the promise of Christmas. Well, how, perhaps you ask me this morning, how, how do I know if I am one of his sheep? It's a good question. How do I know? Well, ask yourself this question. Do you realize that you need a Savior? Do you realize that you need a Savior? Over the last few months, we have learned a lot about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those hypocrites and their heart attitude that boasted in their own goodness and their own morality. And most of these self-righteous hypocrites would never admit their need for a Savior. Do you see the need in your life for a Savior? Do you recognize your sin? Do you recognize that you fall hopelessly short 
of God's standard? These Pharisees rested in their national heritage. They, they rested in their national religion. They just played the game, didn't they? And Jesus tells us that he did not come to call the righteous. He came to call sinners to repentance. And if you realize in your heart of hearts that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, then be encouraged this morning. Because Jesus came for you. And that is the answer to your question. How do I know that I am one of his sheep? Because you know that you need a Savior. Because you have called upon him to save you. Not from the worldly problems that you face. Not from the relationship issues that you face. And that's all a consequence of your sin, yes. But you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your desperate, spiritual, sinful condition. If you've done that, if you know you need to do that, then be encouraged this morning because Jesus came to save sinners. And that leads to my third point. Look at verse 22 and verse 23. The promise of Christmas was a promise of Scripture. Look at verse 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, this was a promise that was given in the Old Testament that was fulfilled according to Scripture. I'm sure that Joseph was having a hard time believing that, that Mary was a virgin. I'm sure he he, even though the angel had appeared to him, and even though the angel gave him this assurance, I'm sure he still must have wondered, how is this possible? It made no sense. It seemed impossible. And so to, to squash these lingering doubts that Joseph might have had, the angel brought Scripture to bear on the matter. The angel shows Joseph, he says, this may sound incredible, but remember that this was foretold in Scripture. And the prophecy that is cited here by the angel is taken from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. At that point, Ahaz was king of Israel at that time. And he was a, he was a wicked ruler. He was an ungodly man. And the Assyrians were threatening to destroy Judah. But God broke in with a promise. God broke in with a promise. He would not allow Judah to be destroyed. Ahaz did not deserve God's promise of deliverance, but God gave it to him nonetheless, for it was from Judah that the Messiah would come. And Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now that promise was about to receive its fulfillment. The virgin had conceived and soon she would give birth to the Messiah. All of this in accordance with the scriptures. The promise of Christmas is the promise that God keeps his word. 
Is there any need for Christians to be, to be nervous about the coronavirus destroying the, the world? Is there any need for Christians to be worried about um, global warming or global annihilation or, or global destruction of the church? There's no need for us to worry because God keeps His word, folks. God keeps His promises. His people will be saved. There are still His people out there that need to be saved. He has a plan. He has a plan to save a multitude from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue. And nothing will spoil that plan, even a pandemic. The promise is firm. Romans 10 verse 9 tells us, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. You have God's Word on it. So be encouraged, folks, that no sin is too big to be forgiven. It matters not how bad your sins have been. It matters not who you were in the past. What matters is God's grace. And what is impossible with man is not impossible with God. The Savior is gracious and ready to forgive those who call upon His name. Look at verse 24 and verse 25, my last point this morning. The promise of strength. The promise of strength in verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. So we learn here that as we submit to God's son, he gives us power to serve him. He gives us power to stand against the enemy. These verses prove the statement earlier that, that Joseph was a just man. He was not just only in the sense of being morally upright, but also in the sense of being justified by God. I believe that we will meet Joseph in heaven one day. And the proof of this is that he obeyed God. The angel told him to continue with his proposed marriage to Mary. And what did he do? He obeyed God. He got married to Mary. The angel told him that Mary must remain a virgin until the birth of her son. And what did Joseph do? He obeyed God. The marriage wasn't even consummated until after the birth of Jesus. The angel told him, to call the child Jesus. And what did Joseph do? He called him Jesus. And I want to suggest that it took a tremendous amount of, of moral strength for Joseph to, to go through with this plan. We don't know much about Joseph outside of this passage. We are given a little bit further insight into his character in, in Luke's account, um, where Joseph um, circumcised Jesus and later took his family to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish uh, festivals. But after that, we, we don't read 
much more of Joseph. And many theologians um, conclude that he probably died quite early on in Joseph's life. But what the text of Scripture does reveal about Joseph is quite enlightening. Clearly, Joseph was a man who obeyed God. And as he submitted to God's word, he was empowered to do what God expected him to do. The proof was in the pudding. The proof was in the pudding. The promise of Christmas is that the predicaments we find ourselves in now can be overcome for the glory of God by the grace of God. And perhaps you're afraid of of openly bowing in obedience to Christ because of what your friends might say, because of what your family, your unbelieving family may say. And perhaps the pressure's on during this Christmas to, to celebrate pagan gods and to and to worship a man with a long white beard rather than Jesus Christ. But be encouraged. God gives us the grace that we need to serve Him. He empowers us to do what He expects us to do. And perhaps you're afraid that you'll be mocked at work if you turn to Christ. Perhaps you're afraid that you'll be isolated by family if you commit to following Christ. But let me encourage you that the grace of God is powerful enough to help you overcome even that peer pressure. I remember the story um, of C.T. Studd that I read many years ago. He was a famous British cricketer who died in, in 1860. And his Cambridge career was described as one long blaze of cricketing glory. He made lots of money. He was from a wealthy family. But his fame helped him increase those, those riches. But when he came to Christ, he gave up his fortune. He gave his money away to orphanages. He gave up his fame in order to serve Christ as a missionary in China, in Africa, as well as in India. In C.T. Studd, he was quoted as saying, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. How do we explain such boldness? How do we explain such courage? Well, the scriptures tell us this morning that it is the power of the Spirit of Christ that empowers us to live for him. I often shudder at the thought of all the souls that will inhabit the lake of fire because they feared man rather than they feared God. And the first category of those who will be cast into the lake of fire as defined in Revelation 2 verse 1 are the fearful. Are the fearful. But thankfully Joseph was not fearful. And we can be most assured this morning that he is not amongst those who will be suffering eternal torment in hell. So let us take seriously the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 verse 28, which tells us, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him 
who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So, believer, this morning, the promise of Christmas is that with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Have you been praying for years for the salvation of a loved one? Then be encouraged by the promise of Christmas. With God, all things are possible. Have you been praying for grace to overcome a, a sinful habit? Then be encouraged. With God, all things are possible. Have you been praying for a, the, a restoration of a, of a failed relationship? Then be encouraged. With God, all things are possible. Have you been praying for, for, for peace of mind? Have you been praying for love? Have you been praying for joy? Then be encouraged. With God, all things are possible. God's grace gives us the obstacle, gives us the grace to overcome all of these obstacles that we may be facing. And as you ponder this message, as you consider this message this morning, may it be a fruitful reminder of the promise of Christmas. May the promise of Christmas fill you with biblical hope, which is nothing less than a promise with a guaranteed fulfillment. And thank God that we have a Savior who saves His people from their sins. Pray with me. Father, we beg you today, Lord, that this Christmas would be like none other that we've ever experienced. And already, Lord, you are setting the stage for that. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the real reason why you sent Jesus into this world. Help us to understand the real meaning of Christmas this year if we have never done it before. And may we have a greater appreciation, if we have, of this child who was born as a virgin, who lived 33 sinless years to become an adult who would give his life on the cross for our sins. Help us to love Christmas even more this year. Help us to love the promise of Jesus and help us to live on the promise of Scripture, Father, that with you nothing is impossible. Give us hope, give us joy, and give us the grace that we need this year to love you with all of our hearts and to celebrate your amazing grace. For the sake of your great name, Lord, and for the joy of your people, we pray this prayer in Jesus' name.